0: Okay, go ahead and have a seat. It's good to turn around and on a snowy, weird day in Oklahoma, uh, a snowy pandemic day and all that's going on around us to see faces masked or otherwise that are are smiling. I trust that your eyes are smiling and that you're smiling behind all of it. Uh, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's it's one of these things in which i I, I find it Incredible that I get to stand here and open God's Word with us in this, in the middle of our Advent series, where we're we're stepping into what this is that a weary that we would say this that we're seeing it again and again that a weary, jo- a weary world rejoices, and, and and just with all that's going on with all around us, whether it's it, it's simply the pandemic, or it is uh, more that is going on, another snowstorm in which if if you spend a good amount of time in Oklahoma, you hear about snow coming, and there's like this panic effect of like, that means ice, that means ice. Uh, I don't care what they say, it won't be snow, it's going to be ice, and all of us, if you spend any time around here, start to feel that moment. We're, we're, we're tired of it. We could, we could truly step and say we're weary of it. Well, it's kind of in this in which we, we're coming to an end of a, a year that is abnormal to say the least. We're coming to a, a spot in our calendar in which we're supposed to be joy-filled and then that's not everybody in it. Uh, I think it's safe to say that, that there's probably not one person in here that would not be weary in some way. And so for me, like when I was growing up, I, I, I was not raised in church. I, of course, grew up in a very religious area, this, this, this area of Oklahoma. And, and I knew kind of what was going on. I knew that Advent had something to do with Christmas, but I didn't really know anything about it. I just thought it was like this weird pretend game of acting like Jesus hadn't come and that we were playing hide and seek with something around the house. It was simply like dolls that were put out for this and not much more. Maybe you've seen something like this, think this the, the Grinch Advent calendar. And maybe you've seen or, or you could find your Star Wars one or whatever else type of Advent thing that's out there. And there are all these types of things. And honestly, I didn't think much more about it. I thought it was like, hey, let's pretend that something has happened and, and attach some type of cultural reference to it and, and we'll move on. And yet, I think that what we have today, what we get to look at in the text is actually pointing us to something far more beautiful. It's pointing to us to this hope we talk about in terms of Advent, meaning like this now and not yet. We live in a time of a now and not yet. This passage that we're going to sit in today is a now and not yet. It's Speaking to a hope in Jesus that we know Jesus has come. And for these people in Isaiah, it is a fulfillment to so much of their longings. And yet there's also a not yet aspect to it. There's an aspect in which it is fulfilled. And then there's an aspect in which it is not yet fully fulfilled. And so this evening, what we want to do is just kind of look at this promise that's given. We want to kind of compare and contrast to the world that we get to see. And then we want to be people who receive and respond to that bigger and better picture that the text gives us. We want to to look at that. Then we want to compare and contrast that. And then we want to say, God, what does this have to do with us tonight in this place? And so I want to pray for you. I want you to pray for me. I want to pray that we would not just go through the motions, that we wouldn't just do another kind of religious uh, ritual of uh, of showing up at a spot and then leaving, but that we would actually look to God's word, living and active, sharp and piercing, and that we'd say, God, do a work in us, right? Would you do that with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this place. We thank you for the opportunity to gather and open your word. We thank you that you've given us your word. And we ask that, Lord, you'd fill this time. We ask that you would uh, refine us. Through your word, we ask that we would see the hope that is promised, the hope that has come, and the hope that is yet to be fulfilled. We hope, we ask that we would see all of those things in, in the bigger, more beautiful picture that you're calling your followers to come into. And then, Lord, we we'll ask that you would meet us in that. Meet us, stir our hearts. Even if our circumstances don't change, God, stir our heart. And so we pray these things in your name. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to pick it up here in Isaiah chapter 11, which is, if you're, if you're not familiar with the Bible, just find Psalm. Psalm's a really big one, and then go a couple chapters past that, or a couple, a couple pages past that, and you'll get to Isaiah, this prophet, and it's speaking to a time in the life of Israel in which, man, all is really ugly. And so if we were to back up into chapter 10, we would see the, that Israel, because of all the things that have happened, they've started to worship other things, they've kind of sold their souls, so to speak, and, and God and his judgment has come, and chapter 10 ends with basically, like, Israel is just laid bare. It speaks of, of a forest that has just been lopped off, and, that, and that's the condition of Israel as you end chapter 10. And then chapter 11 speaks to this hope that is coming you might think, well, we're not really Old Testament people. We're not really that. And and yet all of this speaks to who we are and what God's doing in our life and the promise that we have in Christ. All of this speaks to something really beautiful. It certainly speaks to the people in that moment, but it speaks to us today. And we want to see exactly what it is. And so let's take a look at that, at that king that is promised and what we get right here at the beginning of Isaiah 11. Verse one says this, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now we're not going to spend too much time on this, but it's interesting that it doesn't name David in all the glory. It doesn't name David in this king that is lifted up. And David, the one that they, they still champion to this day, it actually refers back to Jesse and not in any type of glory, the stump of Jesse. Israel has become this stump. And it And so it says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and mind, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord Now this is speaking to something here that we're supposed to look at and see that hope is coming. That these people are are literally called a stump. They're they're cut off. They they are looking around. And if you need to think about this picture, all these trees that we have just cut off. Now picture all of that. And this is the picture given of Israel. It says, here you are in your life, your promises, what you've hoped for. It feels and it is a stump. But hope is coming. Hope is coming. And it describes the character of that one. We're supposed to see this righteous one that is coming. We're supposed to see it right here. This uniqueness of a king. This specific uniqueness of a king described, one whose character matters, one who is different from those before, who doesn't just judge with his eyes, but judges through justice and righteousness and faithfulness. This one who is unlike the kings that they had known, unlike the leaders that had gone before, unlike even David, this one is beyond. This one is clothed in righteousness. This one is is one with faithfulness. You see, these people had been through a lot. Israel is divided, it is crumbling, and they are quite literally a stump. And this prophecy acknowledges pain, that there's hard all around them, that there are difficult circumstances all around, that they are enduring, and that right there in this moment, in in that spot for them, that maybe their, their hope was gone. But this passage points to something. It actually points to Jesus. It points to uh, a promise that is made and a promise that will be fulfilled and a promise in which if you just said, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a baby born 2,000 or 1,000 years later, it's like they couldn't have possibly understood that. It's pointing to a king that would come and bring hope and life and every bit of it to a people that had trusted in the wrong things. It's pointing to a unique king, to a people who had trusted in other kings, and other kingdoms, in other, in other lesser hopes. So, Specifically, these people had trusted in Assyria, a whole other uh, country that was just wicked in every way and worshipped another God. They'd stop trusting in the living God, and they'd put their hope in different things. And now it's like, whatever could save us. They'd put their hope in everything else, and yet God has come and made a stump of these people. And yet he says, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you and your pain. I haven't forgotten you and what's going on. Uh, These people are being told to hope, to lift their eyes and to know that there is something beautiful that God has for them, even though in this moment, right here to these people, their circumstances didn't look any different. It didn't look any different. So there's a warning here in the wider narrative of of Isaiah. And that warning is like, whatever you're putting your hope in, it, it needs to be something that's worthy of your hope and your trust. There's a warning against like saying, I'll follow this for some immediate gratification or I'll go after this because I think it's going to help me in the short term. There's a warning here for all of us in, in that God has said that he is the one true God and there's nothing else that will satisfy. And we see right here what happened to Israel, his chosen people. And yet there's also a call of hope. There's a call to remember God's promises. There's a call to this God who is faithful and righteous and and actually brings beauty from brokenness. There's a call to all of us in this right now. And maybe maybe you're sitting there thinking like, how on earth does Isaiah 11 and 12 help me today? How does it speak to me today in this moment? And what does that even look like when I'm struggling with, with sin or I'm struggling just to make ends meet? I'm struggling in all these different ways. We're struggling with a, a stinking virus. We're struggling with everything around us. How on earth does this help us today? And you may even be here thinking in, in identifying with the stump in this passage and thinking that you are the stump in here. And you may be asking yourself, like, God, like, my life is the stump and I don't even know how this affects me. And and maybe maybe you'll recognize this. We are are a people, we're wired to love story, we're wired to think about uh, story in our lives and how that works out, and we're we're constantly drawn to like a rescuer or a hero in some way, and it isn't just through story, it's actually in life, and and we start to look for someone to ease the pain or something to do this, and and the problem is we actually go to lesser heroes. Heroes. And the Bible doesn't talk about heroes, so to speak. What it talks about and what it gives us in an answer to this that directly affects us right here, right now, is the Bible talks again and again about a redeemer, and we don't always think about that where we know the word redeem, we know the idea of redemption, at least conceptually, but we rarely stop to think that that means that and, and there is brokenness and there is something that is off, this, this stumpness in lives. And we have a redeemer who comes and brings beauty from that stump. And yet for us, we often run to lesser things. We, we often run to things that can't actually meet our needs. We actually run to things that would never actually redeem. They would simply kind of uh, distract us for a time, but they would end up leaving us in the same condition that they found us. Whether it's alcohol or porn, or whether it is, is people like recognizing you and, and people kind of validating you in this, or whatever you would put on your list. It's so often those things are lesser things, and what the Bible offers is a redeemer to take what you see as broken, to, say, to take what you see as hopeless, to say take what I see as something that God couldn't ever use or, or that somehow this is the mess that my life has become. The, the Bible says, no, 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 like I can bring beauty from that. And if you're struggling in this passage to say, what does this have to do with us today? It has everything to do with us today because there are all sorts of places, dark spots in our hearts, some that we could recognize and others that we might not even recognize or even be able to spot in our own hearts in which we feel like we're the stump. In which we, we think that we have screwed up this whole thing and, and there's reality in our sin, or we think that our circumstances have come in which there's no hope left. And this passage actually speaks directly to us, and it speaks of a Redeemer who brings beauty from a forest that is just completely cut off. It speaks to us right here in that. So I don't know exactly where your hope, where you place your hope in the moment to moment of our day. I don't really know where that is for you, Uh, but I don't know where you put your trust. But I would say, I would say here as just a, a, as a, a mirror held up to each one of us is that place where you're putting your hope, that place where you're choosing to trust with those really precious areas of our life needs to be able to offer redemption, and not just momentary distraction. And what we have right here, what we're being asked to look at is a king who is unlike any other king, who meets these people in the worst possible scenario when truly all hope was lost. And he says, I can bring beauty from this right here. And so after After Isaiah speaks to what this king looks like, it shifts to what this reign will look like and what what the reign and the rule of this king would look like. And And it's easy to turn this into a cartoon or some type of felt board Christian talk. And yet what we want to see is just how unlike anything else this passage is. And he speaks to it. This one who changes everything, it shows off and it shows, shows exactly what that would look like. This one who changes everything, we're being invited to kind of compare and contrast the, the change and all of it. And what, what this God who is meaning these stumps in this moment says, listen, with this king that is coming, everything changes. Look what he says in verse 6. He describes it as this, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. You see, this passage, 6 through 9, starts to describe what this reign, what this king will do in ways that just uh, quite simply make no sense to us. It makes no sense to us what this looks like. It, it is so over the top of talking about a, a lion and a calf together, grazing it's like intentionally said, like, look at this. These things that should never be together are actually together in ways uh, that are creation. It's making right all that had broken. We see the, the fruit of a redeemer meeting us. We see this picture of something that is, is not yet in fulfillment. We see it in small ways in our lives as God redeems us, as God works in our hearts. But we don't see the ultimate fulfillment of that. We, we live in a now and a not yet. A now of this baby who has come, a now of this king who has come, uh, and yet a not yet of, of seeing all of it fulfilled. you can, as I, as I think through it, you can, almost, you can almost feel the like, yeah, but that's not today. That's, that's not where I'm today. And today, my circumstances suck. And today, my, my heart hurts in ways that I might not even be able to articulate. And, to, and today may feel overwhelming. Today may even feel frightening. And today, you may feel alone in ways that, that people next to you couldn't satisfy. And you say, that's nice about uh, a lion and a calf, but that's not today in my life. And I want you, I want you to think about that, what your today feels like if we were to remove all the things that we go to to numb us or to distract us, uh, maybe you feel like today you are the stump and maybe you feel like today there is not much to look forward to and that day is one thing but this day is really hard and I don't really know how to get through today. But God's word isn't there for us just to have nice stories. And it wasn't... This this was not given to these original people just to like tell them about some fairy tale land far off. It was actually there to give them hope, hope in the moment, hope in in the middle of a forest that had been decimated again, as that picture paints for us. It, it was there to give them hope that this God who had been with them from the beginning was not leaving them, and to lift their eyes. And to see somebody. See, this isn't just talking about like the, the type of hope that someone has going and buying a lottery ticket. This is the type of hope in which there is a promise certain. And, and 19 times in this chapter, we get shall. We get this word shall that comes up. And the Bible uses that as like a certainty. This shall happen. This shall happen in your life, this is for you. And we're not exactly Old Testament people but just like these people, we're tempted to trust in lesser things. We're tempted to hope in other things. We're tempted to get distracted by our circumstances, and we're we're tempted to be overwhelmed just like these people, where we would scratch and claw at some crazy leader or something else to come and simply take away the pain and meet us in it. We're, We're so easily distracted by all these things, and this passage comes back to point us, both through warning and through promise, to say, no, focus on the one who has been faithful the one who is righteous and the one who will meet you and redeem all the broken places in your life this is absolutely for us today to those who feel cut off this is for you to those who feel hopeless, alone, to those who are feeling bent under the weight of your circumstances, under the weight of what you're going through, bent like those ice trees that we saw a few weeks ago, or maybe even those that feel broken and cut off. This is for you today to lift your eyes and to bring hope And the one who redeems our brokenness. This is for us. And so what does it look like as we, as we kind of turn and we move from just looking at this king to kind of comparing and contrasting where we are and what this, this season looks like? What, is, what does it look like for us to respond to this? Right now in our moment, in our condition, what we're carrying, whether it's bent or or you're in a season where it feels like things are, there's wind in your sails. But what does it look like for us to respond to this? Isaiah 11 verse 10 says this. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire. In his resting place shall be glorious. Before we kind of march through this uh, as we, as we lay in this, I want you to just notice a couple things that will come up. We get this repeating phrase, in that day. He's pointing these people to look at something, to look at the hope that is to come. In that day, in that day, it will be repeated several times as we go through that. It, we get this root now. It's not just a stump. It doesn't even refer to him as the stump of Jesse. It refers now to a root, that there's life. Even though it may be hard to see, even though it doesn't look like a a beautiful, tall uh, tree at this point, there's actually life and God is at work. Whether it's a deep loss, whether it is is aspects unfulfilled, whether it's a dream that hasn't been met or you, you, you fear could never be met, like God actually meets you in that. And then it talks of a signal. It speaks of in that day, and then it's talking about this root that's coming out. And then it, it actually raises this idea of this moment for these Israelites and for us today, wherever you are at, because we have a redeeming God, it is actually a signal to those around us of how good and great God is, that he meets us wherever we're at, and he can bring beauty from all of those hard spaces from all of that difficulty. Now look where it goes. Look at what it means and, and how it describes the people of this hope. When we're talking about receiving and responding, look, what, look how it describes uh, the people of this hope that is given to them and, and what those people will respond like for us and what it is for our response. Isaiah 11, verses 11 and 12 says, "In in that day, The Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people. You see, right there as they have been, uh, as as they have met the judgment of the Lord, as they've found their circumstances are hard really hard, it says that God will meet them right there in their stumpness. He meets them right there in the broken spots. He meets them right there where they feel like they have no hope, where they feel like everything is lost. It says right there, God will receive them. God reaches out to them to recover the remnant that remains of his people. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. You see, The response is to be a people of praise, a people of peace and reconciliation, that God God reaches out and makes peace with these people. He says, it's not you to rescue your life. It's not you to, to try to be the hero of your life. What you actually need is the same thing that I need. You need a redeemer to meet you in those broken spots. We need a redeemer who says, I know where you're feeling. I know where you're at. And yet can bring beauty from all of that brokenness. We need that. We don't need a hero. We don't need need just someone to come alongside us for a season. We actually need someone who can meet us in places where we can't even meet ourselves. To bring life and light and joy and a spark, hope, to places where we have given up, and we see no place out. It also talks about a people of praise uh, right here in verse 1 of Isaiah 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. And with you, or pardon me, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. It's a people of praise. Because he meets us right where we're at. It's also a people of proclamation. That that Those who are are actually saying, God, I need you to meet me in this spot, in this place, in my life. he, He actually turns us from focusing on us. He actually turns us to be a people of proclaiming his praise. And remember who this was written to, people whose circumstances had not yet changed. But hope had come. Notice what he says. Uh, Notice what he says in verse 4. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord. Why? For he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth, Shout and sing for joy, O oh, inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. You see, it's not just a people of peace and reconciliation. It's not just a people of praise or proclamation. It's actually a people who know that God is in their midst. It's a people who know, even in the the middle of the hurting and the difficulty, that God is with them. And it's passages like this that we need when it feels like our sail has been cut, when it feels like our trunk has been broken, when we are the stump and we forget what God has done. It's also passages like this that we need when we feel like we've got everything going for us. We need to be reminded that God meets us on the good days and on the bad. And when all seems lost, we have a Redeemer who is mighty to save, who has done gloriously in our life. And when we think about those around us, our hope isn't in, in some fancy story. Our hope isn't in some movie that has been made. Our hope is in one who actually meets us in the dirt, meets us in our tears, meets us in the the places of loss unimaginable, meets us in suffering that maybe no one else could come alongside, meets us in our fears and meets us in our brokenness, meets us when everything has turned upside down and then been dumped out and scattered. He meets us right there. And so we have this God that is unlike any other. And we have this reign of his which turns everything from dark to light. And he's calling us to be a people after his, his own image and reign. And so in that, the call is for us to respond and to say, God, God, I want to put my hope in that and not in my circumstances. So if you would, if you just would close your eyes with me for a second. And I'm not asking you to walk forward. I'm asking you to to do something far, maybe far more difficult. It's just to simply acknowledge that there are broken spots in your life. Acknowledge that there are places that are either broken by sin or broken by circumstances or maybe some terrible combination of the two. And recognize that this king meets us right there in those moments, in those places. And I simply want to pray for you and as I pray for myself that we wouldn't just kind of Treat this like the Grinch Advent calendar. That we would actually see this season pointing us to a now and not yet. And that in so many ways, God meets us right now, right where you're at, right today, with your fears, your loss, your brokenness those things that have been taken from you and those things that you have either squandered or or hurt, those areas in my heart which feel like I try to hide or hold back, those areas in each of us in which we, we just feel the brokenness of our circumstances and that this Father, this King, actually meets us in those places. If, if you're here today and all hope is lost, you have a king that promises to meet you now and in perfection later on. Who doesn't just leave you to suffer and to be a stump in a field, but promises to bring life and hope and to bring beauty from that brokenness. And so, Father, we thank you. We ask that we would see you in your beauty. We ask that we would see you not just as a, as a nice dad, but as a reigning king. And we ask that we would, we would experience you as the king, as the king of kings. And that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But we're asking right now that, that in our hearts, our knees would bow and our tongues confess and that you'd fill us with hope wherever we're at wherever those disappointments are wherever those aches are wherever that brokenness is and wherever those spots are that you would meet us in those moments in those places and that you'd bring life to these areas that feel cut off and and, and feel like they lack hope or life God, that you would surprise us and that you would work, just as you say right here, gloriously in our midst. We pray these things for your glory and for our good. Amen.